in. We are three young women having a casual chat today about what's happening in the world around us and we have a look in to see if Jesus is relevant to it at all. Today you're joined by me, Anna Beaver. And me, Laura Southam. And me, Alice Tricks. Today we're talking about fears, Britney Spears, and I wanted to rhyme but it doesn't, <laughs> truth and harmony. <laughs> Well, um, it may not be poetic, but I think it's going to be interesting. I wanted to open us up with a question today and a very brief context statement. I first um, encountered this question when I was at a friend's house and on their coffee table in their living room, they had like a little box of like conversation starters and they ranged from that. the ridiculous to the sublime. And this one really stood out to me because at first I was like, whoa, that's so intense. But then I was like, <laughs> it actually is interesting. Here is the question for you. What personal prisons have you built out of fears? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you can take that however you want to take it. Anna, I'm throwing to you first. Yes, I have pre-thought of this answer because my personal prisons don't just come up naturally in my mind. Um, I am very scared of the dark. Not all the dark, though. Like you've always been scared of the dark. Yeah, yeah. When I was a little kid, my like fears of under the bed like matured as I got older. Like they were like witches and goblins when I was younger, and then when I got older, they were burglars. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that was my personal prison, my bed, and I like launched off my bed to get to the bathroom because I thought they'd reach out and grab me. <laughs> yeah. as I you watched Monsters Inc. or something. Yeah, maybe that's my answer. Um. Anyway, um, my actual personal prison. Yes, the dark. But particularly, we have a laundry block next to our apartment building and I cannot do laundry at night because I'm too scared of that laundry building. How many, how many times have you been caught out without um, clean clothes because of that? Oh, like I'm, how much like, prison is this yeah, for you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I just run out of undies and bras all the time. <laughs> That just like didn't used to happen when I used to have a laundry in my house. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, I had been thinking about it as well and I felt the weight of the existential angle of this question. I just thought <laughs> I'm not sure I can deal with that. But mine is almost, I guess, sort of similar genre, which was that I'm very, very anti-cockroach. So one of my mm. most um, significant fears in life, really. I've been away with you when there was cockroaches oh, in your room. I just remembered. a hectic yep. night. We were on and a conference like, and I got attacked by at least seven cockroaches in the night in a room yeah. by myself. I had to change rooms. Yes. It's, that was a bad time. Personal prison. <laughs> that was that was being in prison with cockroaches, <laughs> but in a totally literal way that night. That was the worst night of my life. I remember that. My team rallied around me the next morning. <laughs> kind of embarrassing. But on that note, I've decided that um, I can never live in a house with dark floors or walls basically because yeah. I need to be able to identify Moving. the cockroaches and I think I have quite just a habit of like scanning the room always to watch mm. for like dark fears that's got which is so ridiculous I'm a lot bigger than a cockroach but I just I hate them so much mm. so I guess um I don't know if it's how it's a prison, but I think it just really shapes my everyday life. And <laughs> I've never grown you. out of it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe one day I'll have someone be like, hey, here's a beautiful house for free. You can have it. I'll be like, too dark. Personal prison? It. Keep it. <laughs> I also keep saying personal prison, not personal prison. Personal prison sounds really interesting. And we should talk about your personal prism sometime. What light is being refracted oh, through dear. you? Oh, what about you, though, Al? Personal prisons. Oh, well, I haven't really pre-thought about this question. Um, and that 
like creature vibe mm. makes me think that there are a lot of possums near where I live, lots of like tree cover, and I hate walking from my car to my house um, because of that. But I was in my car the other day and a possum fell out of the tree onto oh my, my car. Oh. But then I just got out. So I'm like, maybe that's not a personal prison. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was what, fine. The other thing that did come to mind though was um, it's we're in winter now. And so it's colder. And so I'm not shaving my legs, you know. Um, but some days it's kind of warm and I live close to the beach and I want to go for a swim. And it's a le- it's a legitimate, like, debate I have in my head of, like, do I go for a swim with hairy legs or not? But by and, yourself? Yeah, but by myself. But people might see. I mean, I think that's so ridiculous and I go for a swim. But I think it is more of a prison than it needs to be. And I blame the patriarchy (laughs) (laughs) that's so interesting because surely so many people if not that exact situation situation have something that stops them from swimming yeah well that's like a whole other rabbit hole but is that really a fear about what strangers think yeah 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 you look just like you don't believe that that's no. a thing anyone can ever course. be afraid of. Of course. Or like a, a stranger. You're never going to see him again. But you might. They're local. Yeah, but and you'll never know what they think of you. I think next time <laughs> the question's going to be, what's the most outrageous thing you're willing to do in front of a stranger? <laughs> I pretty much <laughs> do anything. <laughs> Mine's so low. I get embarrassed very easily, though. I get embarrassed very hardly, but my face, my <laughs> face goes red when like when normal embarrassing things happen. So I look like I'm embarrassed, but later I'm like, ah, oh, it's actually fun. Well, I- mm, kind of. <laughs> um, last week, Britney Spears got married. Not that embarrassing for her, I don't think. <laughs> but her ex-husband crushed the wedding. Bit embarrassing for him. Mm. Yeah, bad behaviour. Yes, I think he really wanted to be there. But also lots of paparazzi tried to kind of find out everything they could know about the wedding as well. There was actually a Mamma Mia article that said the uh, headline of the article was you were not never invited. Everything we know about Britney Spears' <laughs> wedding, which I think is such a juxtaposing thing because I think the whole idea of her wedding was this small, intimate, not even members of her family were invited that had treated her badly in the past so she was like yep these are the people I want at my wedding anyway there's a lot in the media all the time about people's private lives and celebrity gossip and we seem to have this like insatiable desire to want to know more behind the closed door people's private information what comes to your mind when you think about gossip I mean, I think I have a very, at one level, quite cliche sense of people just sharing other people's business for no good reason. Um, <laughs> but to like be in the know or, and that maybe there's some sort of like judging angle to it potentially as well. I think gossip is a very loaded term as a not constructive, not positive thing to do reflects badly on you but also can be guilty pleasure I guess socially we sort of think of it that way too I think people think it's fun to gossip yeah 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 what springs to mind for me is that real feeling of being desperate to know something Mm. and I just think that happens all the time like people say something and they just give away a tiny bit and you think I want to know who you're talking about or what that is or why you say that and so often, if you do find out, it leaves that sour taste in your mouth. Mm. 
Or what about those moments where someone just drops something and sort of incidental, it's accidental, doesn't mean anything, but you have that feeling. But then there's those moments where someone intentionally is like, let me tantalize you because I know something about that and you don't. And of course, I would never tell you, but I'm just letting you know I've got the upper hand with the info on this. Yeah. Like even people being like that phrase that was like spilling the tea. Like I was like, oh, people would just be like, I've got some tea to spill. I thought that was a funny little thing. Well, and also it makes me think about it can be you're bringing people into a sacred space or something like something where there's a secret that you share together or something that you shouldn't really know about and it can kind of bond people together I think yeah is that like a positive thing but like the bonding part of gossip is there a good side to gossip I am well I've got a really bad contribution to make here because I can't really remember it (laughs) I'm gonna say it and if you guys know what I'm talking about you chime in (laughs) um in a book or a movie or a story oh my god i read once (laughs) or maybe experienced um something about um bringing someone into a secret with you is actually like a horrible thing to do to them basically there's a really sophisticated quote around that but that is the idea to say like you force someone into a position to like carry the burden of a secret which I guess really depends on like the level of the the secrecy or the gossip or whatever sometimes you feel no burden about it at all but that to have the charge of um you kind of have to preserve this with me or whatever. So I think that is interesting because the like shared secret whisperedness or, or whatever um, is bonding and it could be like good or bad. Maybe. That's what made me think of it. Your question, Anne, is it good or bad? Yeah. Well, yeah, that is an interesting question. Um, is it positive if people bond together? I don't know. Because I feel like gossip is often at someone else's expense. Mm. And so while you might have a sense of kind of teamwork or we're in this together, you're also alienating someone at the same time. So maybe it is just good and bad in that you've experienced something positive, but overall it's a negative. I mean, the thing is you'd never use the word gossip for like earnestly wholeheartedly praising someone behind their back. You just not even think to call it gossip. So I feel like maybe that's a cultural kind of form, but... We, we know that there are, like, issues tied to it. Yeah. So I think I but think that's dangerous. I think also about, like, power gradients. Like when you're in high school and you've got this really, you know, tyrant of a teacher or something, how you perceive it, and everyone really gets around each other in being like, oh, that was so unfair that that girl got detention. Like, um, and it's like a bit of a solidarity moment for the, for the group. Or even, like, giving people the heads up or, like, on a dating app if there's, like – a catfish is that the term I don't know but like someone who's like predator yeah yeah, thanks that's a better term and then other people like will screenshot things being like do not talk to this person like that's a form of gossip talking about someone else at someone else's expense but it's like a protective like I'm protecting the gals yeah I mean I think that is a good thing Mm. to try and stop predators (laughs) Okay, I'm not ambiguous not. about that. <laughs> I'm glad you're not defending that. But um, I just feel like there's heaps of gossip that's nowhere near that constructive yeah. or like, you know, petty drama. justice or whatever. <laughs> it's interesting the idea of like 
um, solidarity though, or because, and like think about school is interesting because of teenagers, you know, that is a fragile time in life. Like what are your resources for kind of being a steady, stable, confident person? It feels very precarious, I think, in teen years. But I feel like that is an interesting side issue of um does it bolster your sense of self or you bolster your sense of like i am connected to that person or just like what venting does to be like yes i am right and i need someone else to validate that for Mm. me um maybe like gossip can feed into those things but i feel like often there is a more constructive approach to take that is more dignified for both you and the person that you're speaking about do you think you've learned that over time I think um, definitely that sense of that initial impulse to be like, I want someone else to hear what I think and be like, yeah, you're right. Or like, oh, that's shocking or whatever. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. There's something in the moment that is so gratifying and relieving or something about that. But I think that is something I've learned over time to be like, one, that's not the only option to deal with whatever emotional things going on. And two, long-term, that is not the thing I want to resort to and it says just as much about me as it does about the other person or something. Yeah, I think that's right. Almost that it's a false sense of solidarity because what you're actually indicating to people is that you're happy to talk behind someone else's back or spill a secret or um, really enjoy kind of gloating in that, you know, having that piece of information or something. Um, So can it really build up? I, I don't know. I guess it depends what it is and, and the, gra- the gravity of what's being shared. Oh, I think there's like a trustworthiness about mm. it, like when you frame it that way. Like, is this person trustworthy? Mm. But maybe like can you, you know, just play devil's advocate, can you flip the question on your head and say, would I be friends with someone who um, was very discreet about the secrets they shared with me, basically? Mm. Um, and I have a lot of trust in that, mm. especially secrets about other people, to be like, okay, well, if someone's loose-lived with regards to other people's affairs, then if I'm friends with them, who knows who they're sharing about me with as mm. well. But then at the same time, I feel like people sometimes are – it can be difficult if someone's never willing to get involved with something, you know? If someone's always like, oh, we shouldn't be talking about this. It can feel like, oh, you're no fun. Yeah. No, well, that, it feels like the impossible situation, yeah. trying to tell people to stop gossiping, I think, because it feels like reverse judgmental. It feels like total deputy downer kind mm. of moment. But maybe sometimes it just has to be done. Otherwise, like when, I don't know, how how, how does it look when it's done well and it doesn't kill everything and you know shame people like what is do you think there's a space for gossip in society now well i guess it depends again what you mean by it Mm. but i do think oh i don't know that feels like such a complicated question to answer i mean part of me wants to say no we've got to find another way Mm. um but i think it is related because i feel like sometimes i mean yes it can be very negative in its manifestation and its impact and all that sort of thing but Maybe sometimes it's born out of just curiosity and you go, well, that person is very closed and what is going on and, and that sort of thing. And so it, it does reflect other levels of like sharing and not to say, you know, people like, I, I'm only saying this because I care. And you're like, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> um, but maybe there is something about it's an inversion of 
where like understanding is lacking as well, not to justify it, I don't think, but where you have relationships that are quite closed off and you'd be like, okay, well, we, we could have more open conversations. That would be good as well. Mm. Yeah. Do you think this is just a women's thing? No, I hate this stereotype <laughs> because some of the – there's people, male people in my life who I was like, you are such, such a gossip, but it would never, ever be considered gossip, either because of like the topic of the conversation mm. feels like it's more intellectual or more kind of social – commentary kind of thing mm. I'm like that is gossip and you know like you, you can't fool yourselves about that so I just think no not a women's thing only at all but but I do think it's perceived as a women's issue mm-hmm. well that's kind of what you said well it is interesting because I think there's a stereotype out there and I don't know if you think this thing's true at all but women often might be quicker to try and solve problems relationally and socially or something like that or address problems or I mean create problems even or whatever so I feel like that goes with that stereotype as you know men might be more likely to be solitary about it or not express their feelings or thoughts as naturally or that's not encouraged or supported or even use each other to help resolve an issue like if Uh me and Alice were having an issue I might bring you in to be like what's your opinion Uh or how do you think I should deal with this and maybe I'm actually just sharing the gossip about (laughs) Alice that I have an issue with but then I think the extra level is that even if men do do that that it's not perceived as gossip you know in the same way that it is for women because it has a negative connotation yeah, that feels like a whole big other issue. I definitely think there is a strong marketing campaign that needs to be made. <laughs> Men gossip too. Hashtag not all women. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I guess it just taps into those, those, root, those deeper things about kind of security, how you feel like you respond to often difficult stuff or stuff that, I don't know, shakes the boat or mm. something like that. Yeah. Do you think you have like a natural desire to gossip? Like, is that within you? 100%. Yeah. 100%. That's yeah. 4%. That's <laughs> 4%. I feel like, yes, I do. But I do think that there's certain things that probably draw me more than other things. Maybe it's about if it's something that's related to my life or um, it's like a shared experience. Like if someone, oh, now I can't think of an example, but if someone sort of shares an experience, I'm like, that's got nothing to do with my life. Or I'm like, I'm actually not very interested. Um, and like, let that person be, but you know, if it was something that was connected to, I get, and like, I don't know, maybe that's at the heart of all that, like connected to like my sphere, my relationship circle, my work or something like that, that sinks a little hook in me way quicker. Um, and yeah, maybe that's like a way more um, tempting sort of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's maybe true that there's things for me that are more compelling that I'm more interested in knowing. But I just think that desire of like, oh, you've dropped a piece of information. I really want to know what that's about is so strong for me. But maybe also you were talking earlier, Laura, about how as you've got older, yeah, you've learned a bit. Actually, this isn't always a helpful way of processing and there's other options and I think maybe um where I used to enjoy gossip more I feel like more mixed about it now perhaps do you think that's come from seeing the consequences of gossip yeah maybe 
Maybe, or, or even the way that it feels in the long term, like just being a bit dissatisfied with, yes, it's an immediate sense of connecting to someone or getting something off your chest or getting included in something or feeling like you've got power or control. But at the end of the day, I think the root, the heart of what you're searching for in those things doesn't actually get fulfilled and you end up feeling like, oh, yeah, this is actually a really heavy thing that I now know that I kind of wish that I didn't or um, I've shared this thing with someone and I'm actually now worried about the consequence of that or... I feel like there's some real like Christian roots in that, like even the idea of like getting something out of gossip for yourself, but that having an impact on someone else. Like I think that really comes from a faith perspective of mm-hmm. it's not always about you mm-hmm. and sometimes laying down your fun pleasures for the building up of other people. But then also what's the flip side of that is there a flip side of that flip side of what what do you mean kind of gossiping not just for your own benefit yeah right like giving someone the heads up that example yeah Yeah, I feel like I need to think more about that because there are situations where sharing from your experience or there is information to be passed on Mm. it's just not where my mind goes when I think of gossip I think Mm. it feels like sort of connected but maybe broadening category too far yes I also think I would say that as a Christian person your words are really important and they can have real impact on people Mm. and I think um, there's a really strong um, Christian concept of God kind of creating with his words and sharing that he loves people with his words and that's a really powerful thing and also the way that we distort that. We are so quick to use our words against other people. Mm, there's a proverb about that, about words being like, speak smooth honey to a friend. I don't know, someone <laughs> quote it better. But I think that is, yeah, you notice the power of your words more. And that doesn't mean you have to be a killjoy in the gossip kind of time. But think about the impact. I mean, thinking about Proverbs and what you were saying, Al, about the, the power of words, the Proverbs as like um, wisdom literature for God's people are so interesting because there's a lot of severe warnings against the power of not just gossip but anger that's mistimed or, or things like that as well. But to say, yes, words are so powerful, be careful how you use them, but also to say be generous with your kind words be intentional about supporting someone with your words and I think I mean I want to draw on that in terms of not just being like try not to be a killed joy but also to be a model of um mm. ha- showing love and community building instead of destroying and that restraint brings kind of freedom and mm. peace and mm. people do want to live in peace even when there's like sometimes the drama attraction. We also like living in mm. peace and um, harmony and um, so that, yeah, it's not just like, oh, just be more boring, be, <laughs> le- be less connected, be less cool or whatever by not gossiping but um, be a life changer with the words mm. that you use for good. Oh, very good. And that really transitions very well into something that I wanted to talk about, 
Um, and we didn't even didn't even plan that. But I listened to a podcast a few weeks ago now by The Imperfects and they were interviewing a psychologist, Dr. Emily, and she was talking about truth versus harmony and this temptation that people have to uphold either truth in relationships, wanting to kind of speak what their needs are and be really upfront about that. And then on the other hand, people really wanting to preserve harmony and um, maybe not sharing openly about how that impacts them. And while that might seem like a good thing on the surface, it builds up resentment over time and then often ends up in explosions and these fights where the other person's like, hang on, you never, I didn't know that. That's not fair to me. And I was thinking about that a bit because I could resonate with both sides of that. But as I thought about it more, I wondered, is it a bit of a humble brag to say, oh, I want to pursue harmony too much? Have you noticed that in your relationships? Do you tend to one or the other? Curious. Well, I think the truth versus harmony thing is interesting to be like, truth is only troublemaking. (laughs) Just even in like thinking about the previous kind of point of conversation about um, that well, yeah, just that like truth can be building up. and all, But I guess what it's really trying to get at is there are true things that are hard to say or we yeah. feel there'll be a real consequence about it. And a picture of like a good person, a nice person, even maybe like a godly person is someone who doesn't cause trouble or make things more difficult than they have to be, you know, in air quotes. So um, I think it is a bit... Yes, and she did talk about that too, that um, being a harmony seeker is really reinforced, that you're yeah, told, oh, you're such a good girl, well done, all the way as you grow up, that's right. And so it feels like the more desired behaviour. I do think, though, like there is elements of my truth that I do think is worth holding back, not because... I'm afraid that it's going to disrupt the harmony, but because some things are just hurtful truths Mm -hmm. that you don't have to say. Mm. Is that just being a harmony maker? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that is a big question that I had about is it when is it selfish to share your truth Mm -hmm. and when is it selfish to maintain the harmony? That feels like a really tricky line to know. Well, and for me, a question that pops up is... um, Sometimes, I guess, especially in maybe in closer relationships, like you could think of more examples where the stakes aren't very high or the relational kind of, um, I don't know, what's a a risk is not very much. Mm -hmm. But in close relationships, sometimes you do have to be real even in your messiness or something like that to sort of be understood and to be heard and not to sort of say this is neutral or even I'm proud of this, but this is kind of what's going on for me and I want you to know that or something like that. Maybe it's when it doesn't come with a demand or something, I don't know. Especially in the context of like one-on-one relationships, like needs that you have that might not be met. And I think they did a good job on the podcast of explaining that, of like over the long term, if you don't express the needs that you might have in a relationship, then that will deteriorate the relationship. I thought that that was a helpful thing to understand well yeah another question that that raises for me is there's something where you go well there's a truth or you know if you think about in terms of needs that you don't express and maybe it sort of sugarcoats it of like I am the harmony creator or preserver or something 
but you haven't let go of the actual need. And I think, like, as a Christian, I think about um, God's Word encourages us to do to sort of practice forgiveness mm. and also forbearance where something's like, well, that's kind of annoying, but it's not actually a big deal. I'll let it go. Um, and that feels different to saying, well, I'm actually going to hold on to the thing but just not deal with it or address it. Mm. And so sometimes you could go, yeah, that was a bummer or that was disappointing or whatever, but actually I can hold a perspective where I can genuinely let that go. I don't retain it. I don't store it in the mental bank. Um, and so that's kind of a dynamic at play as well. So maybe a sign of whether you're actually seeking to uphold harmony or not is whether you are genuinely able to let something go. Mm. Very helpful. And there's always a cost in that. Like we see in the Bible, that cost of forgiveness for God to forgive us is pretty significant. Like the Mm. blood of his son, like there's a cost to forgive other people. And so sometimes you do take on that cost, but knowing if you've actually properly forgiven them and forgiving people is often more for you than for them like it can be something that really releases you of that resentment I mean there's so many things in this category as well though that aren't in the like right or wrong category that require forgiveness as well that are just like maybe something really idiosyncratic about you or a preference thing or just like how do we make this work thing um which is sort of morally not loaded they're they're just about sort of being alongside another person in the world who does things a bit differently to you and how do you communicate about that? Yeah, and it makes me think about all the values that you carry that you don't realise that you carry until you live with someone who grew up in a different family or... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's a risk that this truth versus harmony conversation drives you too introspectively? Like we're, I think we're quite like the idea of um, really thinking on things deeply. I don't know, is that a good or a bad thing? Does it make us more self-obsessed or does it aid relationships? Well, as I listened to the podcast, I almost made a mental note of what are some needs that I need to express, (laughs) (laughs) which is so interesting because I was like, I don't think, like in some ways that was the point of the podcast of like encouraging you to express your needs. And so instead, I actually text my husband while I listened to the end of the podcast. I was like, what is some things that you might need today? I'd like to hear them. <laughs> just before we get to mine. That <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, and I just feel like being a Christian has helped me flip that. And I can't do that every day because then if I just hear James's needs and not share mine, then that won't be a healthy relationship. But I think that just even noticing that in myself and then being like, that's actually not the point. Mm-hmm. My point is to love and serve other people, not to just be get all my needs met all the time. So that was one reaction that I had from that. So yeah, it did make me introspective. Yeah, I feel like I also had, while I thought about ways that I build up resentment or whatever, I also thought about all the people that <laughs> frustrate me or that I'm like, oh, if they were just different, it's much easier to want to project that to other people as well. I was in a conversation with some people I work with recently and I guess it's sort of coming at it from a different angle or a sort of related issue. And someone asked the question, they were like, let's go around the circle and share this. It was over a lunch kind of conversation. They said, what two qualities make you um, trust another person? Mm. And I mean, you know, you can have a whole conversation just around that. That's a fun question. But it felt there was just a really sort of strong recurring theme about who's someone that you can raise something difficult with and you know they won't like 
blow up or, or mm. stuff like that. And so I think your original comment, Al, about um, we're sort of reinforced and conditioned to be like, don't make trouble, that saying something that's a disagreement or making a request for ourselves or asking for things to be different, it just it feels precarious to us. That, that, I don't know. Um, when you sort of think a lot of these things are not bad, like they don't have to be bad or they don't even have to be huge things, but mm. we struggle to to verbalize it or to say it or there's sort of almost a vulnerability in terms of saying I have a need Mm. that's like a that's a vulnerable thing to say not just like I can handle anything nothing gets to me which is just not true of almost anyone so but we feel like I have to pretend that a bit maybe yeah especially in a team like in a team context where there's lots of different dynamics going on and something that you might need to bring up that actually is just going to create conflict that's something that we can often shy away from but sometimes there's healthy conflict I, what it makes me think of is, um, like in all different parts of life, we often think of ourselves as a bit neutral, mm-hmm. um, like we're the middle ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think self-knowledge is a difficult part of this. And, you know, someone, you might be talking to someone about this and they're like, yeah, you know, I really do need to be more open about my needs. And you go, you do not need to do that. <laughs> or someone who goes, I'm just, I feel so uncomfortable. I know I just put so many demands on people. I don't want to, you know, be difficult. And you're like, whoa, like that's really not my perception of you. You know, like our, our self-perception can be a bit out. I think you need someone to be trusted alongside you who you let in, um, which obviously is sort of like the thing we all know that we want. It's sort of like the rare precious jewel of the person who you trust to get in that close, but who can feed back to you a bit of like, you actually, your voice matters here and you can be open about that or you can be vulnerable about that. Like people actually love you. They want to hear that. Um, or people who'd be like, you haven't stopped to listen enough at this point or, or things mm. like that as well. So I feel like that can be a bit hard to like, you, I feel like for a lot of things, our default's just like, well, I'm like. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's helpful. Cause I think that's helped me process on the podcast and that neither are necessarily better or worse, but it's kind of the motivation that we bring behind it. And knowing that that motivation's often warped in one way or the other is really helpful as we, that kind of drives us to think about how to, how do we serve the other? Sometimes that means sharing of ourselves and sometimes that means withholding. Yeah. You know, one other thing, um, this, I feel like this is such an interesting topic that my mind's just worrying about. One <laughs> other thing it makes me think about is, it can be hard to feel, pardon me, it can be hard to like um, hear and then feel like Anna, if you said to me, Laura, in our friendship, I just really want this to change or this has been going on and I don't like it or whatever. um, That can be hard to hear when you sort of think I have to meet that person's needs um, for needs to be expressed to sort of be like, am I the person who can meet them or I feel pressure or especially if you sort of carry a, desire to make everything perfect in your relationships and I think as a Christian it's really freeing to come back to a truth that God meets each person's needs most first and that that might be a journey for each of us kind of that takes a long time to figure out what that means what that looks like how to live that out each day but say it's actually like not a a, a fear or a stress for me to someone to say I'm struggling or this is hard or I want change but to be like oh actually I can hear that I can respect that I can think about it try and figure out how I can respond and contribute well without being like I am the master of this whole situation I have to fix it I have to fill every gap or be the only one who has power here so I think that 
yeah, that's a big question sort of underlying it for me. Like how do you just see it mm. with your limitations and the fact that you can't do everything, make everything work? Mm. And for me to be able to know God actually helps us all in that moment is like a relieving foundation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That reminds me of Mark 10.45, which has so many kind of layers to it, but says that for even the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Like I have always thought of that of like, okay, copy that and make sure that I lay my life down and serve. But someone pointed out to me also that means he's serving you and meeting your needs and my deepest need into being in relationship with God which then when my needs are maybe not being met in my husband or in my best friend or in my what at work colleagues, then actually where I go back to to get my needs is the only person who can really give them to me. And I think that's kind of what actually has helped my relationships work better. I think that's a really nice place to leave it. Mm, thanks guys so good to chat thanks for listening if you guys have joined us um today we just love our listeners so much um subscribe to the show give us a review (laughs) we'd love all the five stars share it with your friends um and we just can't wait to talk to you until next time Bye. bye